Welcome to Unfuck Your Brain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, feminism, and coaching to rewire your brain and get what you want in life. And now here's your host, Harvard Law School grad, feminist rock star, and master coach, Kara Lowenthal. Hello, my chickens. I am so excited today. There's so much good stuff going on. So three things I need to tell you. The first thing is that it was 60 degrees earlier this week, and I feel like spring is actually going to (laughs) come. I wasn't sure for a while. I think it's coming. It is now snowing today, (laughs) and I did not dress appropriately for the weather because I'm in denial, and I feel like the first day at 60 degrees, that's an unbreakable contract that spring is coming, and so you can't just change the weather back to winter. So then I just start dressing like it's spring and I expect the universe to cooperate with me and it doesn't, which is so rude. So that's number one. (laughs) But I'm also in an amazing mood because, well, because my thoughts, but I actually just was reading and selecting the recipients of this super exciting thing that I'm doing. (laughs) That was an awkward way of explaining that. So as many of you know, I was certified at the Life Coach School for my coaching certification, for my master coach certification. And I firmly believe it is the best tools in the business. And I have been working, obviously, on diversity and equity and inclusiveness, not only in my business, but this is something that I am very passionate about for the life coaching industry at large, right? Writ large, which is, you know, I love life coaches, but I wouldn't say that our industry always has the (laughs) most amazing reputation. So I'm really committed to raising the level of coaching in this industry. You all know, like I teach at a very sophisticated level that most coaches don't teach at. I coach at that level. I teach my clients to coach themselves at that level. We're not fucking around here. This is life-changing stuff. So anyway, the point being... (laughs) that obviously one of the problems in the coaching industry is a lack of diversity and equity and inclusion. And that's, you know, for a variety of reasons, because traditional life coaching often is pretty blind about the big blind spots of people's own privilege or experiences of oppression. I think a lot of women of color and women in other marginalized identities and bodies, certainly fat women, disabled women have had some negative experiences sometimes with coaches who didn't understand structural oppression or, you know, told them it was all their thoughts or that, you know, they experienced these things because their vibrations were low or like whatever other fucking nonsense goes on out there. So there's that. And then, you know, some life coach certifications are not that expensive and you get what you pay for, right? And meanwhile, the life coach school is a serious investment and it's 100% worth it. But obviously, you know, centuries of structural discrimination have created an inequitable distribution of wealth in this country. And not everyone has access to the same resources. Not everyone has access to the same lines of credit even to take out a loan, you know, because they really believe in themselves and their business and they know that they will create it back, but they may not be able to get financing, you know, depending on the bank and their credit history. And all of that stuff comes out of a legacy of structural discrimination in banking, in finance, in the accumulation of wealth in this country. I could go on and on. The point of this is that, so I decided one thing I was going to do was I was going to sponsor a coach 
every year and pay for half of their tuition to the Life Coach School certification program. So we got all of our applications. There were so many amazing applications. I was reading them and I was in love with everybody and I, I wanted to sponsor everybody, which the number was enormous numbers of applications. That was not possible, but I couldn't just do one. So I'm sponsoring four amazing women of color to become life coaches and to get certified through the Life Coach School. And you guys, if you follow me on social media, you will hear all about them and their names and who they want to help and what their niche will be. But I'm just so excited to see what these women are going to do. They each wrote such amazing applications about who they wanted to help and the steps they'd already taken, right? It's an interesting thing to try to think about who do I think will use these tools and who's going to accomplish their goals and looking at kind of what these women have already done to try to make their dreams a reality and then who they want to help and serve was just so amazing and inspiring. So I am super excited about that. That's what I was doing this morning, was finalizing those. So any day that starts that way is a good day. (laughs) Any day you make four women's dreams come true and contribute to diversity and equity in the coaching industry and bringing the perspectives of women of color to bear and enabling them to serve their communities, that's a good day. And then number three, we're going to dive in today to a topic that is really near and dear to my heart also. We are all about the mission today. Some of you may know I used to be a lawyer and I was a reproductive rights lawyer. I've really been a reproductive rights advocate and activist my whole life. I wrote many impassioned articles in the high school newspaper. (laughs) And then I went to college and I was a clinic escort at a reproductive healthcare clinic. And I was the coordinator of the Yale Women's Center and worked on kind of helping people access reproductive care on campus and off campus. And then my whole legal career, I worked at the Planned Parenthood as a media writer. I went to law school. I worked at all the big reproductive rights legal organizations. And when I was an academic, I worked on reproductive rights. So this is an issue that has always been very dear to my heart because I believe that without the ability to decide whether and when and under what conditions to bear children, women cannot control their own destinies. That's the bottom line for me. And so, you know, now I don't, after 15 years in the reproductive rights and reproductive justice movements, I now work from a different perspective, not on my values about that. Those haven't changed. But now I'm coaching people. I'm not litigating (laughs) abortion access. But today I'm going sharing with you guys a conversation I had, an interview I did on another podcast with my student, Amanda Kingsley, who is an amazing coach. She is in my advanced certification in feminist coaching that I am teaching right now. And she coaches women post-abortion on making peace with their choices and their lives and working through whatever complicated thoughts and feelings they have after having had abortions. And so she is really bringing coaching to this thing that is so stigmatized in our society that people really don't talk about it. And it's so polarized that people don't acknowledge the complexities that individual women face, even though the statistics tell us that more than one in three women in America will have an abortion in her lifetime. So You absolutely know people who have had abortions if you are not someone who has had one yourself. And yet almost nobody talks about it publicly because there's still such stigma. So I love the work that Amanda's doing. And I was so pleased to have this conversation with her about what coaching can offer and how we can kind of unfuck our brains, right, in the wake of this decision, which so many people make for so many different reasons. And yet we don't talk about nearly enough. 
So I hope you all enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed doing it. We're going to start with the beautiful and amazing Kara Lowenthal. We're going to kick off the year with you, girl. Thank you. And thank you for pronouncing my name right on your first try. That's a oh. major accomplishment. <laughs> welcome, welcome. I have known your name for a very long time. So, you know, I'm very transparent with all of my guests. There are some nerves here happening. I feel really excited to have you, Kara, on the show for a lot of reasons. Listen, by the time we're done with in. that advanced certification, you're not going to be nervous <laughs> about me at all. You're going to be like, oh my God, I wish you'd stop talking to me. So for those of you who don't know what Cara is referring to, she's about to kick my butt. In a couple months here, I'm going to do an advanced certification with her in coach training, and it's probably going to kick my ass, and we're going to have a lot of fun, and then I'm going to be like even more of a powerhouse in the world. Exactly. So. You're going to be a badass and definitely not intimidated by me. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, Cara, I don't know if you listen to any of my show, but I like when my guests introduce themselves. I feel okay. like... This podcast, just like, I don't need to know anything about you. They don't need to know anything about you except what you feel is important for today, for these people, for these listeners. So, of course, we're going to give you all the accolades and the show notes and all the good <laughs> I, it's things. It's okay. I'm like full up on accolades. But Although yeah, I do, but like, like, this is actually the one interview in which my previous life is most relevant. Like usually I go on these perfect. on these podcasts and they're like talking about my legal career and I'm like, this has nothing to do with anything for this talking about body image, but for yeah. you, it's actually, so the brief story is that I used to be a lawyer and an academic and, but the main through thing of my life until coaching was that I was uh, in the reproductive justice movement. So I was a mm. clinic escort in college and then I worked at Planned Parenthood Federation of America in the media department. I went to law school. I worked at all the kind of big reproductive rights or reproductive justice organizations over the summers. And then I had to go clerk for a judge, but then I was a litigator at the Center for Reproductive Rights. And then when I was in academia, I worked on not just abortion rights. Also, I worked a lot on like public accommodations and religious access, sort of like, mm. like how do we ensure people can all get access to contraception, even if they happen to be like the janitorial staff at a church where the church doesn't believe in contraception, right? That kind of right. thing. Like how do we balance religious rights under the constitution with people's access to equal rights? So I have worked on around or relating to abortion my whole life, professional life, until I became a coach. Actually, the last five years are like the least I've ever worked on abortion. <laughs> that was really hilarious. the main thing I worked on for like 20 years. So, you know, I was, of course, thrilled to come on this podcast and thrilled to have you in the advanced certification because I think this is such an important topic that isn't talked about, right? We know that more than a third of American women will have an abortion in their lifetime. And yet, you know, almost nobody speaks publicly about it in the mainstream. Yeah. So yeah. I just think it's such a crucial issue. Can I ask like, so I always say birth runs in my blood. And what what I mean by that is like, all things womb related have just always been a thing that interested me, like mm -hmm. literally since I was a kid. Did you know as a young teen, like at what point did you know you were interested in reproductive justice? Yeah. I mean, I don't remember. There wasn't like a single defining, I didn't have like a personal, you know, I actually have never been unintentionally pregnant or intentionally pregnant, never have never been pregnant, have never had an abortion. And so it's not like I had a, oh, this <laughs> come to yeah, Jesus yeah, moment yeah. about it. But I think that I have always been very, like my perspective on feminism and the reason I've always been so 
focus on it has to do with autonomy. Like I come from a very, it's like not the word I always would have used for myself, but I actually recently asked a coaching colleague, like if, what were the three things she thought I cared about the most? It was like kind of a values Mm. exercise. And she said autonomy, intellect, and sex. And I was like, that's actually really accurate. That's like right (laughs) on the nose. This kind of abortion involves at least two of those. So I just think, I think from the very beginning, I just, it seems so obvious to me, like there is no way for women to have autonomy in society if they don't have control of their bodies and they don't have the ability to decide if and when they're going to have children. And so an abortion is just, to me, a normal part of reproductive health care that ensures that. And obviously, you know, there are other things we have to do, like if we didn't live in a culture of people feeling entitled to sexual access to women's bodies and if we had better sex ed and we, you know, we might impact the abortion rate one way or the other, but women since the beginning of time have been helping people get pregnant and not be pregnant. I just, to me, it is like an age old thing. And I always think I just felt like if we don't have this, the rest of this doesn't matter. Like, okay, we could fight for pay equity, but if you have to be pregnant 13 times in your life, because you can't get access to birth control or abortion when you need it, or you have to carry a pregnancy to term that you don't want, or that where there's a fatal anomaly or whatever, like, what does it matter? You're not going to be able to go to the office. Like it all builds on this. Wow. Ah, oh my goodness. All right. Well, I want to ask you all kinds of coachy things. You're actually one of the first guests that I took notes for before we started. And literally (laughs) it was like four notes. So it's just no big deal. (laughs) I felt honored and now I feel like you kind (laughs) of undermine my honor, but okay, that's fine. Four is more than the last six more than zero. That's true. That's true. (laughs) But before we go there, I was just curious. Like I just had a moment, like, were there any times in your law, your reproductive justice study, like were there any moments that stick out as like, holy shit, that's happening in the world or like any kind of defining moments for you that just like nailed in your belief and your work that much stronger? Not on the abortion front. I think the things that I found most shocking were more around maternal mortality and care. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's also what is so... Uh, hence my tank top that says Black, Black Breathing Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. Yeah. <laughs> like that's one of the things that's so... Yeah. Am I allowed to curse? Do you curse on the show? Oh, there's lots of cursing. Okay. Yeah. So that's one of the things that to me is so fucked up about living in a kind of hetero Christian white supremacist society. It's like there's all this focus, like there's such a huge focus on making sure people don't have abortions. And then there's like no focus on taking yeah. care of pregnant women or, oh you know, God, the U S yeah. has like, I think the highest maternal mortality in any de- quote unquote developed nation and our it's insane. and black maternal mortality is like five times that of white maternal mortality in this country. You know, people are just dying and getting very sick, having children in completely preventable ways, especially in a society with the resources we have. So I think with abortion, it was always much clearer to me, like, oh, this is why this is necessary. But I think that I was more shocked by yeah. reading things about one. And, and in parts of the world that don't have access to the same infrastructure and medical care, like some of the things that have, you know, pushing a baby out of you is like no small thing. And yeah, for a lot of people, it goes basically okay naturally, but for a lot of people, it doesn't. And yeah. the, the kind of lack of care and resources that are devoted to taking care of pregnant women and yeah. birthing women. And- this was my study, like, right you know, all through college and afterwards. And I did go to a little midwifery school. I say a little because I realized I wanted to have my own kids and I stopped. So that (laughs) changed. But yeah, this was my world before I became a mom and went into all my other avenues. But birth care in our country is atrocious, atrocious. Yeah. 
And we mentioned Black Birthing Lives Matter. There's a new app. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Earth. Well, it's a whole mm-hmm. like organization, but for anyone listening, that's an amazing place to find good care for people of color. So anyway, little side note. Okay, let's talk about the brain. So Cara did not mention in her self-introduction that her coaching now is centered around her I forgot about <laughs> her that work unfuck <laughs> your brain <laughs> I forgot what I do now yes, yeah I teach women how to identify how they've internalized socialization sexist messaging and thoughts and then how to like really identify them because they often just sound like your own voice so you don't know that that's what's happening yeah. and then how to replace them so of course completely ties in with like the narrative around yeah. abortion in this country is insane and women completely internalize that and it creates so much emotional trauma and conflict. Yeah. My dad actually just called me, you know, maybe an hour ago and said, congratulations. I saw you're entering this new program. And he's like, what are you going to learn? And I, <laughs> I was like, trying to explain to him and I'm just going to have him listen to this episode. Now. <laughs> he can get it Don't worry, Amanda's dad. It was a good, it's a good idea. My dad was skeptical too when I became a coach, but he's coming. <laughs> Okay, so what I, I'm so fancy with my four notes. I just was thinking like, of course, we're going to title this episode like Unfuck Your Brain After Abortion, right? And I think, you know, I just want to be clear that not everyone's brain gets fucked up after abortion. Like not, you know, I don't know how many times I'll say that in my career here moving forward. But I think, I mean, the studies show that one of the predominant emotions people feel is relief. Yes, number one, number one. My story is that I did feel a lot of relief, but I also felt grief and shame Mm -hmm. and all the other things. And then I was like, what is happening? Like this Mm -hmm. thing that I knew I wanted, this thing that was like, I know was the right choice. There's, you know, my regret is not like I shouldn't have done this, but Mm -hmm. I have so many feelings. So people who find this show generally have all those feelings too. So I was kind of like identifying what are the thoughts that fuck us up the most? Yeah. Like the ones I see the most in my community thus far. Mm -hmm. And so before I share with you what I think those are, can you just, you sort of touched on it, but like, what does a fucked brain look like? Like, how do you know, like, what does that even mean? I think that's a huge question, but if we think about it in this context, right? I mean, I think that the, this is your specialty, this niche, but I would think that this is like one of the most productive places to think about like clean versus dirty pain and like, right. Creating space for that because it's true. Like, because the discussion is so polarized, it's like, there's no space to discuss the negative emotions that someone might have, even though they completely think it was the right decision and they wanted to do it and they don't regret it and all of that. Right. So there's just not enough room for nuance on the whole spectrum. Our society is so deeply steeped in the idea that motherhood is biologically natural and sort of a woman's greatest calling. And we hear that in so many different ways, both explicit and implicit. And yeah, okay, it's gotten a little bit less intense over the last like 50 years. We have many more women in the workforce, but you don't undo thousands of years of programming with like... I was going to say with the ERA, but we didn't even pass the ERA. Like, but just as an example with, you know, with a little, with 50 years. So I think like, I don't think it's fucked up. It's not a fucked up brain situation at all to feel grief, to feel 
regret in the sense you're talking about, not of like, I made the wrong decision necessarily, but like all of these choices in our lives preclude one future versus another. And this is just a very clear one, right? It's like a clear decision point where we trade, like, even if we're going to have another child later, like what that life would have been like if we had carried that pregnancy to term. All of that, which we want to have space for, it's part of the richness of human experience. The part that I think you want to watch for where society is fucking up your brain is the shame, right? Is the like, I did something bad. I did something unnatural. I was being lazy. I was being selfish, right? I mean, the idea women are so socialized to believe that they should put everyone's interest in front of their own, especially their own children. And so the idea that you might choose to, you know, value your health, your education, your family's economic stability, your relationship with your partner, your own dreams, whatever it is, over having a child just literally goes in the face of thousands of years of socialization that tells women like what the point of them is, which is to have babies. And so I think that guilt, shame, like that regret also, like, I think those are all the kind of regret that's like, it's really just shame. It's like, I did something wrong and bad. And like, you know, I regret it because I think I wouldn't have to feel this bad about myself if I hadn't done it. It's like, yes, you just nailed it. (laughs) Yeah. This would feel different. Well, which it would, but this would feel better if I hadn't done this. Yeah. Yeah. Our brains love to pick something in the past, whatever it is. This isn't unique to abortion and just be like, that one thing were different than I wouldn't have to have this whole human experience where sometimes I feel good and sometimes I feel bad. Yeah. You have a whole episode on clean versus dirty pain on your podcast, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll definitely link to that. All right. So I think that one big thing that I'm not sure comes from society and the patriarchy is about, I can't trust my body. I feel like that one might be a little unique, but not totally. The other four that I wrote down, I think are so related to like, the messages we've been. I told, wait, tell me more about I don't trust my body because I totally think that is patriarchy related, but I want to make yeah, sure. Yeah, like that one, I want to dig in with you maybe a little. So I can't trust my body is like, well, for me, it came from my IUD fell out. I didn't know it fell out. And so I'd gone 38 years feeling like badass proud of my awareness of my body. Like I was like, I know my body like nobody else. Like, I'm so in tune with my body. And then all of a sudden this piece of metal fell out of my body and I had no idea. And I was like, I can never trust my body again. Mm. So for other people, it might be like, I didn't find out I was pregnant till I was eight weeks. Like, how did I not know? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Like maybe I thought, maybe fertility awareness, right? Like I thought I knew I wasn't ovulating and then I got pregnant anyway, or I feel like- interesting because it's like everything you're describing- Your body just did what it was going to do and was supposed to do. It's your brain decide. It's like if anybody fell down on the job, it was your brain, not your body, right? Like your body was just, the IUD fell out and your body was like, great, I guess you want me to make a baby. That's why this thing is gone, right? And then you're blaming your body. I do think that's still socialization because I think if you look at the Western canon, like the philosophy and religion that has shaped Western culture, it is very much like, women are weak. They are of the body. Their bodies lie. They are 
you know, unpredictable and unstable and untrustworthy. Like these are all yeah, right. Like women can't be trusted in general. Yeah. And women's so, bodies in general yeah. are like tricky or are like unknowable and mysterious. Right. And so you have to like, oh yeah, good. you know, so I actually think it totally does. I'm not saying that no men, people socialize as men don't ever have the thought, oh, I have my body let me down or I can't trust it or whatever. But I just think that this in particular around pregnancy, you know, there's just like so much weird, like fragile masculinity fear about like women, like, are they lying if they're pregnant? Are they really pregnant? Is it really yours? You know, like all of that throughout historical society. So I do think that that's influenced by like women are socialized in general to regard their body as an adversary and to be willing at the drop of a hat to blame it for anything that goes wrong. Oh my God. So bodies have been blamed for everything from like the fall of man to the rest of the world. So I do think that that's totally. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, there's another one on here that's similar, which is I don't know how to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And that one you kind of just spoke to even more, which is like this belief that the women's body is so mysterious and complicated right. and like hard to take care of. Yeah, and it's like untamable. We know better than you do. Yeah. And like yeah. women don't know anything. Yeah, I feel like that's a big one. So that I don't know how to take care of myself. That belief comes up a lot in the period when we find out we're pregnant Mm -hmm. with this unplanned pregnancy, be it a medical thing or like just a flat out unplanned oops. Right. I I don't know how to take care of myself, like starts in the decision making and then goes all the way through and then afterwards. Yeah, I mean, there's so much of women are completely painted as being, you know, then this is again, like the Western category, like irrational, emotional, not as logical as men, not as capable of making decisions, like not fit for leadership. And that way we're like, all of this is you go back to fucking Aristotle. So, you know, I think like women are just socialized to constantly distrust themselves and doubt themselves. Like the minute that anything goes not according to plan. Right. And like, I just think we're always just like one step away from declaring ourselves incompetent. Right. Or I'm so true. Like if anything goes wrong. And then there's also this sort of like, I mean, we also have this very, it's a very modern conception we have right now. That's that like bodies are like optimizable, like computers, you know, like, like that sort of, we can like completely control them and if we just do everything right, they'll always act a certain predictable way. And we like should know exactly, you know, it's like, it's a very complicated situation here. (laughs) Humans have been, I'm like gesturing to my body. Like we still don't understand most of the shit and humans have been trying to for thousands, hundreds of thousands of years, like trying to figure out what's happening in there. We don't know. How do we impact it? Is it humors? Is it bile? Is it bad spirits? Is it Uh, you know, insulin resistance. Like it's all just the best science of the day is always us trying to figure out what the hell is happening inside our bodies and like getting maybe a little better at it, but we still don't really totally know. So this idea that like you should have known you were pregnant or you should have been able to track this better. If, you know, if you'd only whatever eaten the right way or not had that cigarette, you wouldn't end up with this fetal anomaly. You know, it's just like, yeah, there are good things that come from more knowledge about our bodies and being able to manage things a bit better. But I think we also take too much responsibility for it. Like your body is ultimately kind of an unmanageable thing. It's an animal, not completely under your control. This came up a little earlier when you were talking to, but like I have the conversation quite a bit around like failed and I'm using quotes in video, (laughs) failed birth control. Right. And like, it didn't fail. Like we know that it works 97, 98, right. 99, 99.9% of the time, like 
your body just took that opportunity in the 0.01%. Right. Nothing and failed. Also that depends on like perfect <laughs> use and nobody's perfect. Yeah. You know, when you're trying to like want to preface this by saying, I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm about to say when we interfere in a natural process, like, I mean, cancer treatment is interfering in a natural process. So that's not yeah. bad. Yeah. Just, yeah. When we try to interfere in what our bodies have evolved to do for millions of years, like they're going to be pretty good at it and we're not going to always be able to prevent it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Another one is similar. Like someone else is in control of me and my choices. Here's one that comes up. Oh my gosh. Almost daily. I had the abortion because my partner told me I had to, or he convinced me to. That's a huge, huge, huge one. So in control of me and my choices is like partner, politics, family, religion, Mm -hmm. like that autonomy you're talking about, like gets. (laughs) Yeah. But like, do we want to take that at face value? I think is the question, like from a coaching Mm -hmm. perspective. I think whenever we feel guilt or shame or worry, we made the wrong decision. We want to put the yes. responsibility on someone yes. else. Yeah. So I think this is two phases. There's the, there's the phase in which you made the decision in which, yes, maybe there was people pleasing going on, scarcity about money or relationships going on. Like maybe, you know, if we could go back there and coach you, then maybe you would come to the same decision for different reasons, a different decision, the same decision, who knows? Like this happens all the time, not just with abortion. When people learn thought work, they then start looking back and being kind of like, oh, maybe I would have done that differently if I'd known about it, right? And then they can get in this cycle of like beating themselves up for that. So yeah, maybe, you know, anytime somebody makes this kind of decision, I'm sure there were thoughts in there that like, if you were a perfect thought work being, maybe you would have done differently, but it doesn't matter because the truth is that you still did make a decision. And I think really the bigger issue is like, why do you want to live your current life telling yourself that you didn't make that decision? Yeah. Right. Unless it was done without your knowledge, which <laughs> does occasionally happen, especially to women of color in this country. Yes. Like, if you knew and you chose to, then you did decide. And telling yourself that someone else forced you to, that only feels good because you're blaming and shaming yourself. So you're like, well, feeling like a victim sucks, but it feels better than telling myself I'm terrible. But like, there's a third option. We can like go out the trap door where you didn't do something wrong. You don't need to blame and shame yourself and you don't need to blame somebody else. Yeah. Blame is gigantic, gigantic in this world. So why do I want? Right. It's like, why what's do the, I want to blame like someone else? Yeah. Behind, like blaming it on your partner, blaming it on whoever, question. usually because you are feeling guilt or shame now yeah. or regret. And you're not like, whatever it is, it's like, you don't want to have the feeling you're having now. And you don't know how to resolve it. So you want to blame it on somebody else. Yeah. So we talk a lot about that being a point in which you're giving away your power, right? Like that is a point in which you give away your power by choosing to believe that someone else is responsible for this place that you're at. Do you want to speak any further to that? Like what it means to also believe in your power? Fundamentally, like coaching on abortion is not different than coaching on any other past choice, which is the biggest problem is believing that your life would be better if you'd made a different choice right? Like that's the biggest issue. So if that's what you have to work on first, like, yes, having a child or not having a child has a big impact on the circumstances of your life, but that still doesn't cause your happiness or your sadness. And, you know, we are just constantly looking for what I call like 
exits off the human condition. <laughs> like we're like on a freeway and we're like, I want to get off. I don't like this where I like sometimes feel good and sometimes feel bad and my body doesn't do exactly what I want and other people don't follow my manual. Like being alive is just a lot. And I feel like we're constantly looking for like some way to just like get a break from being a human because we don't know how to manage our minds and accept exit reality. <laughs> yeah, we don't know how to accept the human experience. So we're constantly trying to get away from it. And I, you know, regret over a past choice and rumination and fixation over a past choice, whether it's getting an abortion or not getting an abortion, right? There are people who have children who regret that choice. They are like, most I really, are. <laughs> really wish that I had terminated that pregnancy, right? Like when you're someone who regrets your abortion, you don't ever think about that. But there are people out there. I hope we see more of that. I think that's the Me most too. taboo thing to say. I more totally agree. Like women are not allowed to say. I regret having children. They're not even yeah. allowed to say like, I love my children a lot. And of course, like this is my life and I'm glad they're here. And if I could do it over, I wouldn't have had them. Like that is so taboo. Yeah. Anyway, I have like a whole be in my body. I even sort of told you today, my son turned seven and I wrote on Facebook, like he's a pain in the ass and we love him like beyond, right? I don't, I don't right, know. Right, right. Of course. Like even, <laughs> kids love even writing that, like I could hear you know, cause I'm human. Right. So I could yeah. hear the little voices like, don't say your son's a pain in the ass. I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> right. And like any taboo tra- motherhood <laughs> regret is not caused by a circumstance or a choice. It's caused by your thoughts. Right. I mean, it is a feeling you create with your thinking. So as long as you were basically like, I don't like my current reality. I think if it were different, I would feel better. What can I fixate on? <laughs> like, it's going to be, oh, if I'd made that choice differently, whatever it is, having kids, not having kids, marrying the person you did, not marrying the person you didn't, taking that job, moving to that city, whatever. You know, this is like with any kind of very sensitive topic, quote unquote, like one of the best things you can do is desensitize it a little bit. Like, yeah, it's totally. still just your human brain. It, just yeah. because we're talking about abortion doesn't mean that like your human brain doesn't have its same biases and heuristics and like dumb evolutions that it has that are going to impact how you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a really interesting journey for me in choosing this niche and starting to speak about it. And like, I've been on such a roller coaster of like, let's talk light and happy about it. Let's talk sad and somber about it. Let's talk. I feel like it's been a year of me finding like my true voice in that balance of like, we don't have to be all serious about this all the time. And we can, if we need to be right. It's like, there's all of it. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. and also like, it's always <laughs> I mean, this with coaching my clients all the time where I'm like, you know, the medicine is different depending on the issue. Like if you're, you know, making a bunch of jokes about your abortion to deflect the fact that you've never processed your feelings about it, then we need to take it seriously for a minute. Right. If you are kind of torturing yourself in this wallowing way where you are believing that like this your one life is act over. <laughs> defines your whole life and it's the most serious thing that ever happened. And like your brain is totally true about everything then sometimes we need to bring a little humor to it and be like, let's look at what your brain is actually saying. Like, does this make sense? Yeah. Just depends on, you know, everybody needs a little of the opposite of how they are. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that got me through my experience the most was just, and I had barely been introduced to tools of life coaching, particular Brooks work at the life coach school. And I think like choosing ahead of time to have my own back was the thing that made the biggest difference. Like, cause I knew that even though I was 98% sure I was making the right choice, mm-hmm. it could go either way. I could go either way. And that I did decide ahead of time to have my own back no matter what. And so something you said earlier, what I wrote down was we get to believe anything we want to believe. 
Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little to that? And I talked to women who had abortions many, many years ago. Yeah. And I've not talked to anyone. And I'm not, so they've been sitting in these beliefs year after year after mm-hmm. year. And so to introduce this idea that you can change your beliefs is like, what? I can't do that. I've been <laughs> thinking I'm a terrible way. person for yeah, 30 years. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I always like to say, like, your past is as over as ancient Rome right? Whoa. Like you don't spend a lot of time being like, I just don't think like Brutus, you know, who's the guy who killed Caesar Brutus? Yeah. I just like, don't think Brutus should have done that. And like really root. And like, did he bring the right knives? And like, maybe he should like, you just don't ever think about that. That's like not something you can control. Yeah. It doesn't create your life. And your mistake is you think your past creates your life now. Right. But whatever I did yesterday is as over as the murder of Julius Caesar. Mm. Like I have as much ability to impact it as I do to impact that. So once something's over, all that, it only exists in your mind, right? If everybody died who knew about the murder of Caesar, it wouldn't affect anything anymore. Nobody would ever think about it, Yeah. right? And the same is true of your past. So as soon as it's over, it only exists as you think about it. And so you just get to decide what that's going to be. I usually say to people like, okay, well, you've tried thinking that it was a heinous mistake that ruined your life for the last right. 30 years. And like, how has that gone for you? Are you enjoying <laughs> it? Is that why you signed up for coaching? Like, let's maybe try something else. I think another exercise people can do is like, when you believe you've made a mistake, what you basically do is you program your brain to unconsciously just go look for all the evidence that you made a mistake and interpret mm-hmm. everything through that. So like, the kid you have now will throw something on the floor and you're like, well, it's because I had that abortion and I'm a bad mother, right? It's just all gets sucked back in. So go look through your life for all the things that are positive in your life that you did or became or were able to create because you made that choice. Yeah. Right. You have to balance out, you have to redirect your brain on purpose to look for evidence of the positive. Like, and there always is. I mean, I think one of the things that's hardest for humans if you are dissatisfied with your own existence is there are so many turning points and we fixate on the big ones. We think like having that abortion, that's the big one. But the truth is like, which corner you turned down yesterday when you went to the store to get milk could have been a big one. changed your whole life. <laughs> so true. Right. Like, cause the, if you got down the other corner, you would have gotten hit by a bus or you would have maybe run into someone you like even more than your current partner, or you would have like, whatever, I don't know, seen a puppet that inspired you to create a TV show. Like we have no idea. <laughs> Your life is like a fractal, right? Every single decision you make fractals off into a million different possible realities. And so it's just a logical fallacy to kind of fixate on particular decisions. Like, did I have the abortion? Who I married? Whatever, whatever. As if if you just undo that switch, then you'd know exactly where you'd be instead. You have no idea, right? And so wherever you're going to end up, your happiness has to come from your own thought process and you have to create it on purpose. Yeah. If I had a motive in my work and as a coach, you know, one would be to like eliminate this belief about right and wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. But I was just thinking there are some people, right. Some listeners, some of my community who believe a thousand percent, I will never change their mind that they made the wrong decision. And I don't Mm -hmm. actually know. We don't know what right and wrong is, but I have found like there is some wiggle room to just go like, just own it. Be like, I made the wrong decision and. Right. You're making your love and acceptance for yourself conditional on not making mistakes. Totally. Like, let's say we get a certified letter from the universe that you fuck that up. 
Okay, a so what are you That's what I always say, like a certified letter from the universe. Yeah, but that is exactly what it is. It's like, okay, fine. If you want that, like, let's just take it. Let's just go like, yeah. I exactly, I completely fucked that up. And now. And now, yeah. Yeah. It always comes back to your own self-acceptance, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you can be fighting so hard to like believe that you didn't make a mistake. You didn't do something wrong. But like, all right, yeah, let's just say you did. Now what? Yeah. yeah. And that's where we get to believe anything we want, circling back. Yeah. And that goes back, back to, to always having your own back. Like, yeah, yeah I fucked that up. Yep. I and I choose to believe I right. can still live a powerful and right. well, I yelled it, at, my at kid. least I moderately husband, peaceful. I had the abortion. I embezzled a million dollars. Like, whatever. <laughs> I fucked it up. And now what? I'm still here. Like, either don't be here or if you're going to be here, what's the point of spending the time you have here? Just focusing on that one thing you think you did wrong, right? You like rob yourself of the ability to do a bunch of other stuff differently. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes to the last thought that I think I see a lot as like a brain error, (laughs) if you want to call it that, which is I don't deserve to be happy as if someone else grants me my like permission to be happy and they have now given me this right. ticket for lifelong misery. Like, your happiness is just some chemicals in your brain. So <laughs> nobody's really in charge of it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's not, I just think we talk about like, what is it really? All of our feelings are just sensations in our body created by thoughts, which set off hormones in our brain. So I, it's just like your serotonin receptors don't know anything about deserving. That's just not a thing. That's just not a thing. So if it's your mother-in-law or your priest it's or like being whoever. Like, I don't deserve to digest my food. <laughs> like your intestines don't, it doesn't operate that way. It's just not, a, you just are wrong about the system here. It's not a deserving based system. It's just. That's know. like, I, I'm not a person who uses Twitter, but like, I imagine that's like Twitter quote. Oh yeah. I don't use <laughs> it's not a deserving based system. <laughs> yeah, that's just not what it is. That's not what happiness is. Yeah. Like. I mean, yeah, we could get into the philosophical, like, do you want to believe people have to deserve happiness? And if so, like, who's doing the measuring and who's doing the meeting out and who's whatever. But I just think, like, sometimes it's just easier to just laugh at how wrong your whole theory is. Like, that just isn't, like, I don't deserve to be hungry. Like, it's just, this is just, I don't deserve to pee. This is just a thing that happens in your body. It really has nothing to do with deserving. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. As we wrap up here, is there anything you feel like? either you wanted to say before you came on or you feel like after this conversation, someone needs to hear or like what's coming up for you. I don't think so. I'm just so glad that you're doing this work because I do think like so many women are suffering from their self-imposed, you know, it's like so much self-imposed suffering that is unnecessary. Yeah. And like this work is so important at like every stage, like before you decide if you're going to terminate a pregnancy during, after, like all of that. And I just think like, I feel like my work in the first part of my career was about physical autonomy, which was abortion rights. And now it's about mental autonomy, right? And Mm. mental liberation. And I think, so that is so important. Like if, like the whole point of my work now is like, even if we have the physical autonomy or the economic autonomy, if we don't have the mental autonomy, if we don't have mental liberation, that stuff doesn't matter. We'll still make ourselves miserable. So I just think like, this is such a, crucial part of the work. You really have to have both. Yeah, you really do. All right. So when people want to learn all that goodness with you, they go to <laughs> just go find Unfuck Your Brain is my podcast. It's on any podcast, any place yeah. you find your podcast normally. It's yeah. There. Yeah. And of course we'll link it all up. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much. My um, pleasure. I was Thank only you. nervous for like four seconds. And it there was, you go. So. It was my pleasure. Uh, no, I can be an example of what's possible for other people. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think you are. All right, chickens. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And that if you are someone who did choose to have an abortion at some point or will in the future, that that work that Amanda is doing resonated with you and that that conversation was helpful. So one other thing I want to tell y'all is that it is that time (laughs) we are doing our next free webinar. I don't know who we is. It's me. It's just me. I'm doing my next free webinar. So this is all about how to get more done in less time. I think so many women struggle with productivity and with efficiency and getting everything done and take on so many additional obligations and responsibilities and worry so much more about whether they're doing a good job or not. So even if you have a system that is working totally smoothly, I guarantee you that what I teach on this webinar is going to teach you to think differently about some of the hidden time sucks that are kind of draining your time and are making you less productive and less efficient than you could be. They're not obvious because they're happening in your brain and you don't even know that they're happening. So that is why I teach this topic so often because so many people struggle with that. It's such a crucial thing to understand to get done anything else you want in life, right? We could coach you on your self-confidence and have you set an amazing goal, but if you don't know how to get things done efficiently and productively, then that's going to be a problem. So it is how to get more done in less time. And the webinar is on Thursday, April 15th. It's at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's totally free. Let me say this once and forever. Yes, there will be a replay. (laughs) We will send you a replay. If you register, we will send you a replay. Of course, but come live if you can. That's way more fun. All right. If you want to register online, you can go to unfuckyourbrain.com backslash get more done. All one word. Unfuckyourbrain.com. I think this is a forward slash. I think I'm constantly calling things the wrong slash, but you know what slash I mean. The slash you use in a web URL. Unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash backslash. Who knows? Get more done. All one word. Or you can just text us. Text your email to plus one three four seven nine nine seven one seven eight four. That's plus one three four seven nine nine seven one seven eight four. Text us your email. You'll get a message asking for the code word and you just reply, get more done, all one word to register and we'll get you all set up. Can't wait to see you all there. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast, you have got to come check out The Clutch. The Clutch is the podcast community for all things Unfuck Your Brain. It's where you can get individual help applying the concepts to your own life. It's where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will blow your mind even more. And it's where you can hang out and connect over all things thought work with other podcast chickens just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will change your life. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. That's unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. I can't wait to see you there.